you want really good coffee to take on your next adventure, use CS Instant Coffee. You can find out more about them at csinstant.coffee. Like I, I find that athletes seem to be just a little bit more disciplined through every facet of their life. Just because they want to have that time, it's important for them to make that time to commit to doing sport. And so they make it happen. And that's what makes a good athlete. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Hey folks, welcome to the Thursday episode of Adventure Sports Podcast. Uh, last Thursday, we I played for you an interview from my other podcast called Without Compromise. With uh, It was with Kyle Robidoux, who is blind and an ultra runner. Uh, today, we're talking to another person that was on that podcast. Uh, typically on Thursdays, I'll do a revisited episode. So, so from our archives, an old but popular episode that maybe a lot of listeners haven't heard, but... Now that I'm hosting a second show, a lot of these interviews are really good content for for the Adventure Sports Podcast as well. So on Thursdays, I use that as an opportunity to introduce some of these folks. So today we're going to do that again with Heather Goldnick. The interviews are a little shorter, um, a little more condensed, and uh, there's a rapid-fire question series at the end. Uh, But yeah, if you'd love to check out my other show, it's called Without Compromise, and it's a put on by Athletic Brewing Company. So check both of those out. Link's in the show notes. And uh, hope you enjoy Heather's interview. She's a really fascinating person, has a lot on her plate, but handles it all pretty well, uh, to say the least, and definitely lives a life without compromise. But uh, also, I might sound a little weird. We're, we're moving furniture around, so I don't have my typical studio thing set up right now in the house. So so the, the intro might sound a little different. But anyway, Hope you have a great weekend. Stay warm wherever you are. And if you're out there on an adventure right now, I hope that it's going well for you. Uh, reach out to us, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you and just see how it's going. Well, Heather, welcome to Without Compromise. We're extremely happy to have you on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before, but I'd love to go all the way back to, you know, where did you grow up? What was it like? And what were your early athletic experiences like uh, growing up? (laughs) Well, I grew up in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and I was a hyper kid. And years, years later, they, you know, say kids have, you know, certain like, you know, just you just got to go all the time. So my mom, my poor mom, like took me from one activity, the next, the next, the next. And I was in every sport I could do. If I had one right after school and then I could fit in, you know, one from three to four 30 and then I could fit in another from five to six. And then I could fit in another from six 30 to seven 30. Like my mom would just take me and I would just go. And, um, I was primarily, um, in gymnastics. Um, I did a lot of other things besides gymnastics, but gymnastics was what I fell in love with doing. And I ended up um, doing gymnastics at Valparaiso University in Indiana um, and a scholarship. And after I graduated um, from corporate fitness, 
um, from Valparaiso University with a degree in corporate fitness, I found triathlon. So that's what I really dedicated the next uh, 15 years of my life and still dedicating that time to triathlon. And when I graduated college, I got a job at um, General Electric Corporate Fitness Center, and they were putting on a corporate challenge of a triathlon. And as an employee, we all had to do it, you know, like three different sports. And I wasn't really good at any of them. Actually, I was really awful at swimming. And I was okay (laughs) at swimming running. And I just fell in love with it. And I started doing some triathlons. And um, as I started to get more serious, people were like, you know, well, you're really not very good swimmer, but you're a good biker and runner. So why don't you dabble in duathlon, which is run, bike, run. Um, And I turned professional in that. But it it didn't take a lot of time. A lot of the races were shorter. And as I got better, I really wanted to focus on Ironman. I knew that I'd be good at the long distance events. We had three children at the time. So it was like, should I should I make the jump and do this, even though I know it's going to be time consuming? And finally decided to really focus on triathlon and had to learn how to swim, had to study. And I think that's part of the reason why I love coaching is because I didn't grow up a good swimmer um, and had to learn one as an, to be one as an adult, um, to be competitive in the Ironman circuit. I mean, so, so that first triathlon really hooked you. What was your I don't know. I mean, I mean, what was it about it that was different to you or stuck out to you? And also, what was the world of triathlons like at that time? Well, I think it was just that everyone was just cheering for everyone, whether you were good or whether you were like a middle of the packer or you were the last person. Um, and in gymnastics, everything was a little bit like stricter, quieter. You know, people weren't, you know, yelling and having a good time. Um, and then when I moved over to Spartan racing, that's even more so that way. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but anyway, so I just, I was hooked on triathlon for sure. How long of a time was it before that first race till you were a pro and you said duathlon first, how long did it take you to become a, a pro essentially in, in an Ironman competition? Yeah. So it took a little while to get my professional racing card at that longer distance. But when I did, like, I knew that that was like where I would, you know, there's, there's short course racing. Um, but the longer you go, the swim in comparison to the bike and the run, the swim is like much more minimized than in the shorter distance. The swim is a little bit more equal time. And so not being a super strong swimmer uh, in the longer distances, I could come out of the water a fair way behind and catch up on the bike and catch up on the run. What what was the world of professional, uh, you know, triathletes at the time? Was it just this raw kind of untamed wild west? Was, you know, was everyone just kind of figuring it out? And you know, what was it like for you? Yeah. You know, it was interesting because the world of triathlon was just growing. Like there was a lot of companies out there. Ironman was just getting to be like the big fish and like really growing. Um, Sponsors were just really coming out of the woodwork and triathlon was just on a boom. Um, And it was by far, you know, the fastest growing sport where years later that went to marathon and then years later that went to OCR. So it was a, it was a good time to be in triathlon because it was just growing so, so how did you keep your edge? How did you stay at the front of the pack of this wave of people becoming interested in it? 
I just loved it. And I, um, I was super committed. Um, and I would get up early, I would train, I would get the kids off for school. And then I, I had the luxury because I was a professional, I actually made a living, um, doing it between prize money and sponsors. And then I could be mom and be home in the evening. And I think for, for some people that don't do it professionally, you know, they work out in the morning and then they go to work on, they have a nine to five and then they try to do it. And it's just really, really hard. So I was really blessed that I had the opportunity to train full time. That was my job. What other skills were you having to learn simultaneously? Because obviously you have to be, you know, training constantly or training, you know, professionally, but there's other skills that come into play when you become um, a professional and having to deal with sponsorships and all that. Were all, was learning all how to deal with all that new to you, or did you enjoy that side of it as well? Um, it was hard at first. So at, at first, for the first couple years, um, I had an agent who had a big agency, and the agent basically handled a lot of the communication and the contracts. But then after a few years, we realized that the best part about the sponsorship is the relationship. And I wanted that relationship with my sponsors and being a very personal person that was important to me. So I ended up doing a lot of the legwork anyway. So eventually uh, my husband quit his job and he took over doing sponsorship. We moved to Florida where my parents were retired. So they could help with the kids if I was gone racing and they were fantastic. They would, they would watch the kids and my husband Todd and I, you know, traveled the world from, you know, France to Switzerland to Dubai to Chile to Hawaii. So I've been around the world, you know, racing triathlon. I, I bet sometimes you were just pinching yourself thinking, you know, what a life I'm able to live. Yeah, it was really, it was awesome. We were really fortunate to be able to do it. The kids got to come to a lot of places, you know, a lot of, they, they don't remember a lot of it because they were younger back then. Um, but just that, that we did get to, you know, have that lifestyle and, and do it. And, and we loved doing it. And my husband was great. He was always supportive and would bring the kids and they were cheering, you know, their mom on. And, um, it was just a, it was just a great thing. And, and you would ask like what else you learn, like over the years, like doing an Ironman is a long event. Like you had to learn race day nutrition. You had to like be on top of your nutrition. You had to be on top of your recovery. You had to be on top of the mental game. And so I did a lot of preparation in all those areas, not just swimming, biking and running, but there's a lot that goes into the sport, just like any sport. Um, and, you know, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Triathlete EQ, and it's still an emotional side of racing because I found that a lot of times I could be on the start line and I was not the fastest swimmer or the fastest biker or the fastest, you know, runner, but I could win the Ironman because I could put it all together with the nutrition and the mental side. And so, um, I definitely like in my coaching to, you know, make sure that athletes know that there's a lot more than just, you know, you're running on the track, but what you're doing when you're not on the track. So, you know, I, I did want to bring that up your, your book triathlete EQ. Did you, did you write that because you felt there was maybe a lack of focus on the, the, the mental strength side of training? Because, um, you know, that is one thing I've learned through, through any endurance sport I've done is, the mental strength I walk away with to live my life with is to me so much more powerful and so much more 
honestly useful on a day-to-day basis? Did, did you see a lack of that in, in the sport? Yeah, for, I did. And, you know, what you learn through your sport um, can apply so much to your life and how you look at sport. Um, so the cover of our book is a stoplight. And, you know, a lot of times in life or in athletics and triathlon, like you're on green, everything's going fine, you know, you're having a great day. And then, you know, you get in a car accident or, you know, even just a traffic jam, you know, I mean, minor things like your, your, your life goes to yellow and you choose how you're going to react when you're on yellow. Like maybe your boss says something and you can go to red, which is not where you want to be. That's you know, the, you know, you're, you're getting angry and upset and, you know, reacting, or you can stay calm and bring yourself back to green. And so the book talks a lot about that, how we do that in life and how we do that in athletics. And, you know, I've spoken to, you know, a lot of companies with the premise of my book and to different sports such as football. And like, you can apply the same concepts to any sport. And so I like really enjoyed writing it and then spent about two years after I wrote it, you know, whenever I could, you know, going and speaking on the book and traveling to um, do some public speaking just with the premise of the book, but just telling stories of my triathlon career. That's awesome. I love that metaphor. Do you have an example you could share off the top of your head about maybe a time you were at yellow in a race and turned it into a green light? Oh, yeah. Lots of times. So I did a, a race in Utah. It was like a big money race. So it was like a big deal. And I was like, you know, one of the ones that was on target to probably win the win the race, which would also mean I'd won the series and had a great swim for me. Like I wasn't really far back. I was only a little far back. <laughs> you know, I started passing everybody on the bike and I like felt awesome. I was like, this is going to be my day. And I got a flat tire. Oh, man had to stop, change it. You know, that took a good like three, four minutes. You lose your momentum, got it back on. And I was like, okay, that's all right. I can still like be top three. Like you're feeling awesome. And, you know, started passing people, went to the bike turnaround and got another flat tire. Oh my God. What was going through your head? Is this just, I, I, I'm done. This is yeah. over. You're just like, what can you do? So I was just had a good attitude. I got a third flat, which is like, nobody gets three fats. I was like, okay. And so I had to actually even wait for SAG. So I was like way out of the race by then and got a new, you know, tire. And I decided that, I, I mean, I was clearly in, you know, last place for the pro, for the pro women. I was like, okay, I'm just going to use this as a great training day. Cause I have another race coming up. And like, when I got back and I was running, it was two loops of the run and the first place girl had gone out. And so I looked like I was in second, even though the whole field had lapped me, you know, and, you know, people were cheering and I was just cheering for people. I was like, oh, I'm just going to have fun. And I was pacing some guy who ended up setting a PR and like, you just, it's, it's your attitude. Like you can react really mad and quit and be upset or, you know, that mindset of like, I'm just going to make the best of this day and I'm going to cheer for other people. And, you know, that's, that's all part of it is how we react to the things in life that nobody has a perfect life. So how you react to all of those highs and lows really makes you who you are. Absolutely. And now do you find yourself naturally tending to look at life like that when you have obstacles or is it, you know, some, some serious work for you? No, I mean, I'm going to be 50. So, you know, I've had a lot of practice. (laughs) 
Um, and you know, did I, do I always handle everything with grace? Of course not. But I really think I do a very good job when our obstacles are thrown at me, being able to overcome them. And, um, I'm still an emotional person, but do a good job of just like always being like making the best of every situation. So, you know, this might potentially be a yellow light in, in real life. I know you have three children and one of them um, was born with cerebral palsy. You know, as a mother, obviously you don't want to see your kids going through anything like that. But, you know, what was it like for you being someone who is so, who's honestly, you know, your body makes your living and your, your identity is wrapped up in your athleticism. Was it, how did you process that as a mom knowing that your child would have a different experience in life? Well, I think her watching me in athletics was really important because she could see the days where things weren't going right. And instead of quitting, you keep pushing. And so she uh, was in a wheelchair for a long time and the doctors told her she'd never walk. And she sees her mom get up, train, put her head down, do the work. So she kept doing her physical therapy and now she uses canes to walk and she walks around Liberty University, huge campus. And, you know, I think times where she saw me not quit was inspiration for her to not quit when things got hard. You know, if I was doing a a race and I just was having a bad day and I'd quit, what kind of example is that setting for her? So she's been a huge source of inspiration for me, you know, when I'm out there and, and Ironmans are very, very long. You have a lot of time to think about your life. And so she's been an inspiration to me just um, seeing how she's pushed through difficulties. Jordan is my daughter with cerebral palsy. Um, she has a twin brother and they were preemies. They were just over a pound and the doctor had given them less than 10% chance to survive. So they're my little miracles, I call them. You know, this was 20 some years ago, um, back when ICUs and, you know, preemies like technology wasn't the same as it was today. My wedding ring fit around my daughter's leg. That's how tiny they were. And so we were, my husband and I went through, you know, a lot back then with, they were in the hospital over 10 months. So basically living at the hospital for 10 months, you know, praying your kids would make it. And, you know, that's a whole story in itself. But, uh, you know, I think that also shaped who I was as a person, who I am as an athlete, just the things that you go through. Time for a quick message break. CS Instant Coffee is definitely the best instant coffee I've ever had. In fact, just out of convenience and how good it tastes, I decided for the last year I've been taking it on every single adventure I go on from backpacking to bike tours. Uh, Just from convenience sake, it's really high quality and it keeps me from having to take a bunch of other equipment out in the woods. Uh, But it's not just for going out on adventures. My wife actually takes some to work Every single day with her, she takes a couple packs uh, to refill her coffee mug uh, as a teacher. She doesn't have a ton of time to um, have to you know, make fresh coffee all the time. So she just needs a little hot water, can pour the coffee in, and she's ready to go for her next class and not waste a lot of time. So if you're crunched for time in your job, uh, I would definitely suggest giving it a shot because they have been huge supporters of the show for the last year, and I really appreciate everything they've done for us, and it would mean a lot to me to go support them. So if you're interested, go to csinstant.coffee and uh, support those who are supporting the show. It would go a long way. Thank you. All right, let's get back to the episode. 
you really start digging into anyone's life and you just don't know what they've they've come through. I mean, 10 months is no that's not that's a long time to be you know worried and and, and to have to focus and also, you know, to train like what I'm sure that was a very difficult time in your career as well. It was just a hard time, you know, in general yeah. for every aspect of our life from relationships to my marriage, you know, it was just a very stressful time. And so I, I never was a very patient person. So I've learned more patience and, you know, maybe having a daughter with cerebral palsy has, has helped me be a much more patient person that I would have became the person that was just always on the go and always into myself. And so I think just the situations we deal with um, really help us become the person we are. Absolutely. You know, that don't mean to turn it to me, but my, I have two younger brothers, a year younger than me identical twins, both born three months premature and have a lot of health complications because of it. So I can definitely, I can relate as a sibling, not as a parent, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't look at it as a bad thing at all. They've taught me so much in life, especially patience, patience being the biggest one. I'm sure. Yep, yep, <laughs> but you know, that's, um, that's unbelievable. That's awesome though, that she is a source of inspiration for you and pushes you to keep going. So you know, you, you had an amazing career and, and you still obviously compete and you, you do, you know, obstacle course now Spartan races, which has got to be just totally different than the world of Ironman, you know, hyper focus on, on stats and heart rates and miles per whatever. And I, I feel like, the, like you said before, the Spartan world is just so different. Ha, have you enjoyed that transition? Has that been fun for you? Yeah, I love it that you, you know, when they say, and, you know, unfortunately, now they're going to like, you know, much stricter distances, but I loved it. And I was like, oh, it's eight ish miles. It'd be maybe eight, two or eight, four, <laughs> and, you know, you know, your beast would maybe be 13, but maybe it'd be 15, maybe it'd be 17. And so I loved that because you really couldn't like compare one event to another with the terrain so different in the way the obstacles were that every day was a good day because you, you know, you couldn't really compare it like, oh my God, I'm not as fast as last month. Yeah. And it's just the people in OCR are great. I've just really enjoyed a lot of the people I've met, the friends I've met, and that's just keeps me coming back to do it. Um, obviously, I have that, you know, competitive gene. I love pushing myself and being competitive and especially, you know, getting on the podium and being almost 50. It's fun, you know, talking to these girls that are, you know, the age of my kids, <laughs> but it's it's just really been enjoyable. I, I, I'm way too type B to be any good at Ironman. So I feel like that's just for very type A people, but Spartan, I'm like, all right, I can do this. Like, it's not so, I, I'm not going to think about all this. I'm just want to go run on this course and have a good time. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you have enjoyed that transition and just kind of let go of some of that, the strictness of it. Yeah. And with my job. So I have a coaching company on the side. Um, it's called Iron Edge Coaching. And I coach triathletes. And now I coach OCR athletes. Um, I work full time at Liberty University. And so it's so fun to have like so many different things because they're all so different. Like the school is very different than my personal clients and triathletes are so different than OCR athletes. But it's just it's nice to like have a variety. Now, have you found that transition from mostly competing to mostly coaching. Ha have you enjoyed that? Ha has that been smooth for you or, or is there, you know, like fulfilling wise, how, how has it been? 
Yeah. When I love coaching, I actually started coaching back when I was competing because I always had people asking me questions. And, you know, even back then, like now you see a lot of females that have kids that are racing on a high level, whether it's OCR or triathlon. But back then, nobody had kids that was racing at the professional level. And so even amateurs would be like, well, how do you do this? And how do you make it work? And I did, I started doing a lot of like seminars and coaching, you know, that way. And then I kind of got into the more personalized coaching. Um, So I've always really liked it. And, you know, it's just, um, it's that one-on-one connection with an athlete. And I really like the beginners because they learn so much and it's so fun to see them improve. Having so much experience, obviously, as a competitor and now as a coach, to you, what makes the best athletes in in those sports? I think people that just want it, um, you know, like you can't do it halfway. Like if you're going to be a triathlete, like you have to commit the time and energy. But that doesn't mean you can't have a family and a career and stuff. It's just being organized and being willing to sacrifice and being you know, willing to get up in the morning and being willing to, you know, do the things that you have to do. I I find that dedicated athletes, whatever level they are, even like intermediate beginner, they just don't waste time. Like I, I find that athletes seem to be just a little bit more disciplined through every facet of their life, just because they want to have that time. It's important for them to make that time to commit to doing sport. And so they make it happen. And that's what makes a good athlete. No, that makes a lot of sense. When you really want something like, like this, you're going to organize your life so that you can make it happen. And that, that's a great way to put it. What, what is the biggest lesson or the most important lesson you do try to instill in your athletes when you're coaching them? Well, now that's different than, than what I was just saying. Okay. <laughs> so, but like what I really like for most of them is balance. And so balance, I think, is also really important. So like I was coaching a, a man who owned his own company and he was training for an Ironman his wife, we, we got along really well because she had twins and he was like, this is just stressing, you know, the family out. Cause I do my long ride on Saturday and then I do my long ride on Sunday and then I come home and I'm tired. I'm like, okay, well let's, let's fix this. So he started doing his long run on Wednesday, his long ride on Saturday and Sunday was his wife's day to go play tennis and to go to lunch with the girls. And then she came home and they took the kids out and like just that change made his marriage good and his relationship with his kids because they were like dads with us Sundays. And so just making sure that that balance so the other things that are important to you remain a priority. Um, So I think that's a key is just like not getting so hyper-focused with that you're ignoring the other things that are very important to you in your life. Yeah. And and I'm sure you see that a lot as a coach, you see all sorts of athletes and especially at the college level, it's, it's, it's just easy to become obsessed with something at that age, I find, or I, at least it was for me. Yeah. And so trying to teach them that balance, um, I think is, is part of my job as well. So speaking of that balance, what, what is in being so busy as you are coaching college level coaching, you know, a totally different sport, OCR athletes being a, still being a professional athlete. How do you, in running another business on the side, good Lord, how do you balance all this? Like, what does your typical day look like as an athlete, a coach, a mom and a wife? Well, every day is really different. 
Um, tomorrow I'm putting on a swim clinic and we sold out at the university. So I'll get up early and I'll get my workout in and then I'll feel better coaching them all day because I've done something. The university team practices a lot. We practice early in the morning, we practice in the afternoon. And so sometimes it's, you know, I have to get creative and do exercise at my lunch hour, but I don't seem like, I mean, in this day and age, it's so easy to waste time on Instagram and Facebook. And sometimes I feel bad because you know, my sister will be like, oh, how come you didn't comment on that? I'm like, I just haven't been on. I only get on two days a week. You know, I think it's like, how much TV do you watch? How much, you know, like there's a lot of things that we do maybe to relax, but then that doesn't become productive. I've also recently been trying to, and I'm not great at this, but trying to not multitask as much. So I'd be trying to relax and finish emails and respond to this text and do this, you know, all along, you know, maybe catching up on the news, you know, I'm trying to do like six things. And instead of like just doing one thing and doing a good job at it, and then moving on to as another thing, and then actually watching the news and not working on emails at the same time. So I'm trying actually not to multitask as much, which sounds funny, because in this day and age, we were like, Oh, yeah, I'm such a great multitasker. So I'm actually trying to just focus on what I'm doing. You know, if I'm having a conversation with one of my kids, I'm having a conversation with one of my kids, like we don't have electronics when we eat, we, you know, get disconnected. And I think that's like, really important for people to get disconnected. I think that's why I've always loved going on a long bike ride or a long run. If I can disconnect, I really enjoy it. That's really important lesson to be learning, especially in today's world. And you might already, you know, mention that it might be that dinner time. But is there any time in your life that is just sacred that you don't allow anything in, or you make sure it happens? Yeah, like I love having like um, quiet time, and not that I'm like perfect at that either. But I love trying to like, you know, whether it's just reading some scripture or it's just reading a book. Uh, my daughter's amazing; like she has tons of books and she'll give me books and, um, you know, and just like having that time. And, um, it was a challenge when, when we moved to Lynchburg and I was like working at the university because a lot of times I'm leaving out the door super early for practice. And it's like, I don't want to get up extra early. I want to sleep as long as I can. And so it's just like making sure that the things that matter to you and help you become the best version of yourself happen in that day. Mm. Now, you know, I, I did do a lot of research on you, and I and I did read you're, you're a Christian. Do, do you think your faith has set you apart as an athlete? Did, did, has it made you better personally, in your opinion? Oh, for sure, 100%. Um, I don't think I could do anything I have done without God's grace. And I do believe that he has given me the ability to do it and giving me the ability to do it because he wanted me to share it with others. Um, through coaching, through teaching, um, through life lessons. And so I'm a, I'm a firm believer. And that's one reason we absolutely love where we are now, because Liberty University is one of the largest Christian universities. And it's just amazing. And I'm able to pray with my students and talk to them about God. And a lot of times, you know, I have athletes I coach that maybe don't believe in God. And that's 100% fine. Everyone has their own beliefs. But it's nice when people have that and they, they're looking for that in a coach. Um, and we have that connection. All three of my kids are Christians. And I think, you know, they just they love the Lord. and You can see it. And, and that's one thing with my daughter um, you know, she has cerebral palsy, but she smiles more than anybody I know. And you can just see that in her. 
Thanks for sharing about that. You know, I always want yeah. to know like what what is what is the motivation behind what people are doing. But you know, at, at we at the end of each of these interviews, we like to ask like five or six really you know rapid fire questions. Okay. And I would love, and you know, it doesn't have to be one word answers, of course. Okay, sounds good. So for the first rapid fire question, what are you most curious about right now outside of triathlons and coaching, or or sport and coaching in general? cooking. I want to learn to be a better cook. All right. Perfect. Hey, that's great. I love to cook. So proudest <laughs> achievement outside of your career. Oh, for sure. My three children. No doubt about it. I feel like every parent <laughs> we've had on the show says yeah, that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I get, I get it now. I get it now. Being yeah. A, being a well, here, here's dad. a good one. Getting the right mate, which was really important. Like my husband and I, like we were high school sweethearts. And so. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, so are we. that's another one. <laughs> Yo, oh cool. <laughs> that a very, we had about a decade break from high school to when we got back together, but nonetheless, we were in high school together for a while. But That's awesome. Yeah. So what is your biggest goal that you haven't yet achieved? I just want to keep, so I'm going to be 50. And so if I can achieve not like feeling like I'm old, and I don't know if that is possible as you get older, but just being like, I've even caught myself being like, oh, I'm so old. I'm like, okay, I got to quit saying that. Like, I'm going to turn it around and be like, I'm so tough for 50. Watch out. You know, so that's my, that's my thing this year. What's a, what's a nutritional habit that you consider crucial in, in your health in life? Oh, I got to have my dark chocolate pretty much daily. Okay. It's crucial. <laughs> All right. I mean, it makes you happy. You know, it makes you happy. That 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 goes a long way for the for the mental strength side, I'm sure. So so what's something that inspires you that maybe people around you would find surprising? I admire people for their different hobbies. Like I obviously athletics is my hobby, but I admire I had somebody in the other day, they were doing an article on me for um, the school about coaching and the team. And I just admired their like photography and like they were so like, oh, we got to use this light and oh, we got to stand over there. And like they just knew photography and I don't know anything about photography. And so I just admire people's different passions and skills that they have because of those passions. Absolutely. No, that's, that's a good one. That's a good, I, I love that answer. So, so lastly, how do you live without compromise? Oh, well, you know how that is, right? <laughs> Drinking. <laughs> well, you have to ask the question. So we all know, you know, the podcast and, you know, athletic brewing and being an athlete and being able to like have you know, athletic brewing, like have a non-alcoholic beer that actually tastes good, but being able to like, I've got like a Jeep. And so it's like, I've got all my training stuff. It's like a big closet. Um, but I have beer back there. And sometimes people find it funny because they're like, Heather, you have beer. And I'm like, well, it's not alcoholic, but I can go have a drink with my friends and I can still get up at five tomorrow and feel amazing. Um, yeah. and so that's how I do it as far as with athletic brewing. But I just think in daily life, like you just can't compromise on your goals and your values and why you're doing things. Heather, um, you know, and lastly, I'd love to say, you know, how can people find out more about you? I know we're going to put all your links and everything in the show notes, but if you would like to share, feel free to, to plug some websites or whatever. Yeah. So my website is heathergolnick.com. 
And Instagram is athlete Heather Golnick. And my coaching is through Iron Edge Coaching. Yeah, well, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's very inspiring. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. It was nice talking to you. You too. All right, see you, Heather. Bye. Right, bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.